being from San Diego, we uh, like to think that we have this hot debate about burritos, but I don't think anyone else in the country really cares at all. <laughs> we're so we're so vehement that our burritos are the best burritos. And hot take people out there, which is mostly just our friends from San Diego. Hey. It's not really that good in San Diego. Okay. They're good. I'm there's there's more flavorful there's good places in San Diego, but there's more flavorful burritos out there. There are more flavorful burritos out there. However, for me, again, it comes down to style. And the sure. San Diego style <clears throat> of burrito is the best burrito style. It, it definitely is up there. I definitely think it kind of beats the Mission Burrito of San Francisco, although that's got its place. And since I live there, I do have a fondness for it. But, you know, the Albuquerque breakfast burrito is really, really good. Um, more flavorful, I would say, than what you typically get in San Diego. My thing is that... The thing that I love about the San Diego burrito is the the tortilla. The giant 14-inch, oh, yeah. super mm-hmm. chewy flour tortilla. Like, that is a specific yeah. kind of burrito wrapper, tortilla wrapper. Like, and it's it is specific to the size like that chew doesn't come in any other sizes it doesn't come in any other styles i'm also not a beans and rice person in my burritos i don't fucking like it doesn't beans and rice (laughs) go on the side so like there's a place here in chicago that does have the san diego style burrito thing they have the right tortilla it's the right size it's the right flavors they have the red and green sauce all of it but they put rice and beans in the fucking burrito and every time i go i'm like no rice and beans in the burrito and they're like you don't want any and i was like no i just want meat cheese salsa like (laughs) what the fuck i want just a log of meat cheese and salsa and trevin he thinks that's insane He's like, why would you get less stuff in your burrito? And I was like, because they, they don't belong in the burrito. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I, I tried to get the local place that does just like, they just do, they're like a rotisserie chicken oh, sort of nice. place right down the street. And they're like, yeah, do a burrito. And I was like, yeah, can you do a steak? I was like, oh, okay. And they're like french fries. I was like, okay, check yes. this out. Put them inside Gross. the burrito. And they, like I had to say it like three times. Mm. <laughs> California style burrito. And we did it, and it worked. It's so fucking good. Yep. Yeah. There's a place here in uh, New York City, at least in Manhattan. There's a couple locations called mm-hmm. Somersault, and um, it's it's like you can get everything, and you can either get a Mission style or Whoa. California style, which is really good. That rules. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's really funny. People people don't like to admit that they're from San Diego for some reason. They like to just rep SoCal. <laughs> And then, like in their marketing, and then they'll be like, "Yeah, we try burritos from uh, from Oceanside down to TJ. That whole region. We're from SoCal. We do a SoCal burrito. It's like kind of weird. Like maybe San Diego is too small. You want to know what it is? I, but that's, I, that's, I, that's that's the mar- that's the verbiage for somersault. They just will not admit that. Here's what from I San think Diego. it is. I think <clears throat> that it's all those fucking North County people who got sick and tired of being told they're not from San Diego when they say they're from North County. Oh. 
Because every time, every fucking time I meet someone who says they're from San Diego, I'm like, oh, where are you from? Expecting them to say something like, oh, I'm from Normal Heights or like whatever. And they're like, oh, yeah, I'm from Poway or I'm from Escondido. Hot tip. That's not fucking San Diego. That's North County. You're not from San Diego, bro. Like, get fucked. I'm sorry. But like, you're from North County. Like, it's a different place. Y'all had money. It is. Like, I don't care. (laughs) <laughs> like all of you grew up with a fucking car like get fucked you didn't have to figure out how to take three buses and a train to get to a show like i'm more willing to accept somebody saying they're from santee as being from san diego than i am willing to accept somebody from escondido being from san diego i i kind of think that there's yeah there's a cultural corridor <laughs> from the where the fucking san diego river goes into the ocean yep Right there. Yep. You know, uh, I'm going to say like a couple miles. Well, okay. From like, you know, a little bit from up to Claremont down to south of the 94 yeah. to the yep. 94, let's call it. And just straight yep. back for a hundred miles. Diego. That's, that's it. And the hilarious thing Diego, is, it's like right? people from south of the city are like, oh yeah, I'm from Chula Vista or I'm from National City. They don't fucking right. say they're from San yeah, Diego. That's right. It's because everybody right. knows yeah. that nobody knows what the fuck Oceanside is. So they're like, oh, it's like when people. OK, it's like when people say that like bands used to say they were from Seattle, but they were actually from fucking across the like across the lake on the east side. Like nobody knows oh, like what Bellingham or something <clears> like that. What yeah. the fuck is that little town called? I don't even remember. No, Bellingham, Bellingham north. isn't it? Um, no oh, okay. Bellevue people like don't know what Bellevue, Bellevue is or what Tuckwilla is or what um, like fucking Renton is but all these all these bros who like Ugh, grow up on like the fucking south southeast side of Seattle they all are like oh yeah we're from Seattle I'm like no you're fucking not like you went to school you went to high school in the suburbs like get yeah, get out of here right. man like get out of here you know some of the most famous the most famous bands from seattle were not from seattle they were from outside of seattle but it's like the closest hub so they just round up but like people from oceanside are not from san diego they're closer to orange county than they are to san diego like they may as well just say they're from the oc like that is like stylistically culturally monet like class wise you're just you're from southern you're from southern orange county esco can fuck right off go go let's do another county (laughs) another county yeah yeah just like even like even eastern encinitas you've ever get stuck like driving around fucking like eastern encinitas it's just it it's just like pq it sucks it's just not cute um yeah. You know, and of course nobody was from <laughs> Alpine, but like Alpine was like cool, but it wasn't San Diego. Yeah. Alpine's cool. I don't mind. I don't Alpine. either. But like I, I like the back I like the backcountry quite a lot. I do too. You know what was so sad? Is the when the fires, like the what was it, the two thousand three firestorm like burned down mm-hmm. the like oh do you remember like the old oak grove out there like there's like a one main road that you drive into like alpine the town on and there was like you drove through these like crazy old growth oak trees and like 
they all fucking burned down. And when I was like back in San Diego in 2004, we like took a drive out there and I was just like, this is the most depressing thing I've ever seen. Like my entire childhood burned down basically. Yeah. Yeah. That was a crazy one. That was kind of like the first, one of the first big fires that I can remember in California. And it looked, San Diego looked the way that New York looks right now, basically. uh, New York is fine now. Oh, it's 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 better. It's better. Oh yeah. It's, it's got like good air quality as of yesterday. That's nice. Yeah. Still an excuse for me not to go on a run, I would say. But I think that it's um, fine not to run in in the worst air quality in the world. It was really fucking bad. I, well, I was in Cincinnati, like I said, yeah. uh, to bring it full circle. So I it was smoggy there. And I definitely woke up with my eyes were just uh, crusty and itchy and terrible. Yeah. Um, but so I got to miss it, which is kind of good. But um, yeah, the backcountry is nice. We started going to like wineries out there. Oh, really? To, to belabor, to belabor the San Diego talk. Yeah, like towards the end of our time, we'd like uh, go out to Ramona, Alpine, Julian. Like good fucking wineries out That's there. That's awesome. I gotta say, yeah. Like and like circling back to that talk about that fire that we just mentioned. Uh, there's a sick winery where like this dude and his son and they're from England. <clears throat> they just bought like a wine, a vineyard that burned down. Oh wow. Like, you know, 20 years mm-hmm. ago and they only grow fucking Italian varietals out there. And it's like an Italian villa fucking winery and vineyard out there. And I want to say Ramona, it's on Hell the side yeah. of a hill. You can look over the valley. Fuck yeah. If you pull up in a if you pull up in a shitty car, they like take the piss and they're like making fun of you and they're asking you to get a better car. That's awesome. Um, yeah, they serve you like fun chips and stuff, like crisps, I should say, because they're from England. But um yeah, and it's really good fucking wine. Yeah, dude, I like fucking Italian varietals would thrive in those like mm. Southern California hills. It's like like I immediately was like, oh, they're definitely growing Nebbiolo because like, oh yeah, for sure, Barolo, all yeah, that shit. Yeah, like those are the those are the grapes. Like the 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 regions that Nebbiolo is grown in in Italy is like so harsh on the vines. It's like very commonly drought ridden, but it has really nice diurnal shifts because they do have <clears throat> the marine layer that comes in. Same thing with San Diego, like. San Diego gets like a really great marine layer. So like you're getting like super hot, dry, arid conditions. And then the nights often cool off enough to stop the ripening process. So like the thing about the thing about Nebbiolo specifically is that it is a thinner skinned grape. It's not quite as thin thin skinned as like Pinot Noir. But it's the reason why you can drink Nebbiolo when it's very young and you can drink it when it has a shit ton of age on it. Because when Mm. you have like, like, it's just like the phenolic compounds in these wines, like, allow you to just enjoy them at any age of their life. I think the same thing is true of Pinot Noir. Like, you can drink a young Pinot and it's going to be really bright and fresh and like super easy to drink light in the glass, really floral, or you can like drink like, you know, a Domaine Romane Conti that has been like in a bottle for 25 years and it's super rich and like super um, full bodied and it really like evolves and matures in the bottle. Nebbiolo is exactly the same way. It's like Barolo and Barbaresca are two of the most famous old aged wines in Italy for a reason. You know, right. Yeah. 
great. Okay, real quick before we get into this movie, let's hear about Mexico. Ah, yeah, I went to Mexico. Um, ironically, for the very first time in my life. <laughs> Having grown up uh, 16 miles from the nation of Mexico or whatever, however close it is. Yeah. 20 miles. Yeah. Well, You never went down there when we were kids, mm-mm. really? Nope. I did not fuck around with that shit. I knew. I yeah, had, it's a little dodgy for sure. I had so many friends who were far too young to be going to Tijuana mm. during the fucking late 90s, early 2000s by themselves. Like, yeah. it was too ske- it, True. it was too sketchy for me. And I also knew that if I got in any trouble and like there's no way anyone could bail me out, like right. no one in my family had any kind of money to get me out of a dangerous situation in Mexico. Like if I got caught, you know, with friends who were like buying prescription pills and we got thrown in jail in Tijuana, like there's no fucking hope for me. I would rot in a jail cell. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? And like, I just didn't fuck around with it. And then by the time everybody was like going down there for like the sewer shows and shit, like I had already left. Oh, right. You know, got it. And so, like, I, I had no, I had no experience with it at all. Um, and so we went to Cozumel and it was fucking awesome. I have never, ever in my life stayed at a resort. Um, <laughs> and, right. you know, the trip was made possible by the fact that, like, Trevin's mom very generously wanted us to still go on a vacation, even though like our original family vacation plans had kind of fallen apart because of like work and all sorts of things. And so her and Trevin were secretly planning this trip without me knowing. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I got this internship. And he was like, "Um, so like, when does it start? And I was like, I don't fucking know. They haven't sent me the information yet. He was like, um, okay, so didn't want to tell you, but kind of have to now. Like, I need to know because I'm planning this trip. And I was like, what the fuck? Um, so, yeah, we went to Cozumel and we stayed at the Ibero Star Cozumel, which is an all-inclusive. It's not adults only. It was like a family all-inclusive. But it was fucking tight as hell. Like, That sounds awesome. The room was super nice. Um you know, we like had it had two beds, which was kind of hilarious, but it actually ended up being great because there was one night where we had like been out in the sun all day, eaten a bunch of fucking food, had a bunch of mm. drinks and like we just didn't want to touch each other. And you can do that in a king bed, but you can't do that in like a, a full size. So we each just like slept in a bed and it was like really fucking nice. Oh, it was two full size mm-hmm. beds. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. And so like we were at first we were like, this is stupid. And then we're like, but what if one of us gets sunburned? That was really the impetus for us not requesting a room change was like, what if one of us gets sunburned and like can't touch another person? (laughs) Um, Uh Because Trevin is very pale. We were really concerned about this for him. He discovered, though, SPF clothing and. Oh, yeah, for sure. Didn't get sunburned at all. He didn't. Nice. It's incredible. His he has the most hilarious farmer's tan I have ever seen in my <laughs> life. Uh, uh, it is like, it is like, it goes like shoulder is white, and yeah. then sleeve, and then brown. Yeah, and it is 
he's not that tan. Like when you don't see the shoulder involved, you're like, oh, you kind of just look the same as you did when you left. But then you pull the shirt up and you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there I was might, like I might have mm, vague, vague. OK, like really vague. very vague. You're yeah. you do not because you're not you're like me. Even when you're pale, you're not pale. That's right. You know, that's right. When he's pale, yeah. he's like anemic <clears throat> looking mm-hmm. like he's just like northern european through and through you know like yeah. white um yeah. but uh so it was weird at first because like you know literally all you're supposed to do with these fucking all-inclusives is like relax you're just supposed to have cocktails lay on a beach lay on a floaty in the pool whatever it is. And we like had to spend like a full day acclimating to not just doing things. Right. Cause we don't know how to relax without doing stuff. Right. Um, we ended up going on a snorkeling excursion that was like hosted by like a, like a boating company. That's like connect, like a snorkeling company that's connected to the property. Um, I saw a fucking Eagle Ray, dude like yeah you were saying that a fucking i could not i was i was dead we saw sharks i saw like one of the oldest turtles i think i've ever seen in my entire life amazing yeah like had like fuck wait wait give me what's the wingspan on this eagle ray uh give me give me the wingspan okay so we were okay we were obviously snorkeling we were not diving we were snorkeling the depth at this point i think they said something was like 32 feet the mm-hmm. Eagle Ray was at the bottom of the, like on the sand at the bottom of the water. And it easily looked like it was minimum a six and a half foot wingspan on this fucking ray. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. But it also could have been bigger because of the distance and the water refractivity is, and yeah. everything. Like it was fucking huge. Its tail, like its tail was easily 12 feet long. Easily. That's fucking nuts. It was um, so fucking cool. I think I told you how we were diving in Hawaii on the big island and they do these tours where they go out to this area where the uh, manta rays, giant rays, giant rays were like they put these Costco surfboards with lights underneath and then like staple handles to them. So we're all just kind of like in the water holding to the sides of these surfboards that's- and these lights are shining down and that illuminates the krill and that's mm. what the rays feed on. So these fucking rays were doing these barrel rolls below us. Oh my god. Like coming up like like literally two inches. Like they were like brushing against folks. Dream. I found it very erotic, <laughs> I gotta say. That's awesome. <laughs> and like ad nauseum, I kept on joking about like me making love with the rays, uh-huh. you know. Yeah. And uh, I think my mom and my wife were probably a little fatigued by that. But yeah, that sounds amazing. So do do we ever go diving back in San Diego? Mm-hmm. Because that's like what I grew up doing. Like I've been, I've been snorkeling for, uh, like thirty six years. I had like no idea. Pretty much, I, that's like yeah, a fact I life, didn't yeah. know about you. Oh yeah. really? Yeah. I mean, I would take like I took Dane, Dane and them. Um, Dane and them is an entity that we're gonna always talk about, like on, on this podcast. But yeah, I took like folks diving every once in a while. But um, and then like once I got well, you know, I moved to NorCal. You don't really do that up there. But once I got into surfing, it kind of fell by the wayside. But I rediscovered it when we were living in Ocean Beach. Um, 
the last couple of years before we left San Diego. And like, yeah, diving. I'm a big old free diver. That is wild. I could like could like go down like you're like 32 feet. I was like, I can do 32 feet. Probably I can probably get to the bottom. I always wanted to learn how to snorkel. I, I'm sorry to learn how to like scuba. And then at some point in the last 10 years, I don't know what happened or when it happened. I can't go underwater anymore. Really? Yeah, my ears are just like the the pressure that it creates is so painful that like I can barely go five feet underwater now. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the same for everyone. But you know how to like pinch your nose and like blow while pinching your nose. Yeah, it, it doesn't. And then it, that like pressure it, just doesn't work anymore. It doesn't work. I, I mean, I was a competitive swimmer and I never had this yeah. problem. Yeah. I could swim to the bottom of a swimming pool, a 10 foot swimming pool with no fucking issues. And now like yeah. it is like unbearable to go five feet underwater. Oh, that's awful. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's like if I have like a collapsed tube or something, but like or if like there's just like sinus blockage that has like accumulated or it's like my allergies or something. But like, I really don't think I could scuba comfortably. Uh, well, with scuba diving, I believe that um, just the fact that you're breathing compressed air pressurizes for you oh. so you don't have to do the thing where you pinch your nose and, and like pressurize the inside of your skull yeah but you might want to look into that yeah i should uh talk to a scuba instructor about that because yeah I'll- as far as i know i've never i've never scuba dived before my dad used to so my only knowledge of scuba diving is from what my dad used to tell me like you know 40 years ago or whatever so it, um, it is like take that with a grain of salt that is like one of my that it, scuba diving is like a like like a lifetime goal for sure. It's like I'm not there's very few places that I'm happier than like floating in the ocean looking at cool shit. Yeah. Um, I bet I bet they do it in Lake Michigan. Don't they? They have diving there, right? Oh, for sure. And now that, that we have a zebra mussel infestation, the water is so uh-huh. fucking clear. Like I know. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, no, last time I was last time I was there with you. Remember I, we were like went to the. Uh, the lake oh, yeah. and I was like oh I wish I brought my fucking mask because yeah. I I love crawling around like like I don't care about fish as much as um, just underwater architecture yeah. just like reefs and rocks and caves and that's like what gets me going yeah no I um I definitely I definitely think like we're gonna try to do a little a little bit of like floating around in the lake for sure um, but the trip to Mexico is actually what inspired uh, Waterworld <laughs> because um you know i think you texted me like right as we were like we got back from our our scuba trip (laughs) and you were like that's right what movie should we do next and i was like fucking water world let's go let's fucking go good um and it's you know it's a favorite of mine growing up yeah oh man so much fun so I have like uh, a lot, like I have a lot of notes. So I think this is going to be a fun one. Nice. Um, should we just get into it? Let's just fucking get into All it. All right. Yeah. Um, I guess I'll still do, the, still do the intro. Welcome to another episode of We're Spanning Time. This is a podcast in which we explore the films of a particular year. This season's year is 1995. I am Bud Catino. And I am Beth Martini. For today's episode, we are covering Waterworld. Sure are. Kevin Costner, Dennis Hopper, Gene Triplehorn, Tina Majorino as the as Enola. She's also in Karina Karina. Remember those? That was a good huh. one. 
that's with Ted Danson and Whoopi Goldberg, I want to say. Yes. Uh, and she was also the girl in Napoleon Dynamite. Are you fucking kidding me? I'm afraid not. Um, Karina Karina was this weird... Uh, let's go back to it. I don't know. We don't need to get into it really, but it was like Ted Danson is a dad. I believe it takes place in like the fifties. No, not Ted Danson. I only think that because, uh, Ted Danson and Whoopi Goldberg used to date, but Ray Liotta, Ray Liotta yeah. and, and Tina Majorina. And it's like Whoopi Goldberg is like the nanny or the maid. I want to say. Uh, and then, and then a good woman who is sent to help a family deal with the horrible reality of death. Okay. Well, that's a really dark uh, description. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Oh, wow. That was a good one. Um, yeah, that is, she was also apparently the child in the film Andre about the seal, the seal's best That's friend. Correct. That's correct. This is, yeah. I I literally did not at all put together that the kid from Waterworld was also the girl from fucking Napoleon Dynamite, which I've only ever seen one single time, and I'm pretty sure I was stoned. Yeah, I mean, are you a fan of that movie? I am not. I yeah, the fucks I have to get for that movie are few. People were really blowing loads at the time, and I was like, "This is okay. It's a little racist. I don't love the portrayal of the Mexican character yep. at all. Yep. Um, it's goofy. It's fun, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it can also it can curl up into Escondido and fuck right <laughs> off." Absolutely. Highly agree. Um, we'll not so be Ke- that. <laughs> no, certainly not. So Kevin Reynolds is the director. Uh, bookend movies would be Rapa Nui. I don't even know that. Obviously, also that's a Kevin some, Costner film. Some... Oh, is it? it Fun. I believe. Also, so yes. Wait. <laughs> what the fuck? Seriously? Hold on. There, so um, that's part of that. That is. There's some like hot goss about okay. Kevin. Uh, Kevin Costner. And Kevin, um, what the fuck is his last name? Reynolds. Kevin Reynolds. It is like so. Some hot gossip about the cost. Okay, let's just yeah get into it. What did what did you find out about? Okay, the making of this. Movie? Okay, so all right, I lied. Or I'm pretty sure that Kevin Costner was involved in it. Maybe it wasn't. Anyway, there's a whole there's a whole fucking there's a whole bunch of bullshit. Okay, so first of all, we kind of all know just from the internet that. Um, the making Waterworld was an absolute shit show, right? I mean, the internet, sure, but even at the time, it was a highly publicized situation. Yeah, it was originally projected as cost as like costing sixty million dollars to make, which then went over budget to a hundred million dollars at the start of filming, and by the end Fuck, of filming, man. it was a hundred and seventy-five million dollar production, the most expensive film that had ever been made to the time. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it was it was quoted as to have been filming was a 12 ring surface, a, a 12 ring circus. Um, they had unbelievably dangerous conditions. The film 
was slated to take 96 days to film. It ended up taking 166 days to film, which pushed the filming into hurricane season. A, oh, Jesus. a hurricane at one point hit Hawaii and fucking sunk their $5 million set. <sighs> like, just absolutely unreal. Um, yeah. So fucking, like... Kevin Costner and Kevin Reynolds, they worked together on Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Kevin Reynolds walked off of the set of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, didn't finish the film and refused to ever work with Kevin Costner again. But apparently they like buried the hatchet at some point and decided to come together to work on this film. Um, oh, he he also um, directed Red Dawn. Yep. Rules. Um what are your thoughts on Prince of Thieves? I also think that movie is awesome. I fucking love that movie. I've loved that movie since <laughs> really, I was a kid. It is so good. It's really fun. It was weirdly on TV, like often shown as a double feature with Disney's Robin Hood. So it would be like <laughs> Robin Hood from Disney, like with like the foxes. And then immediately after what words, Kevin Costner's Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Incredible, <laughs> and that's and this is why we are film critics. Dare I say it? Precisely to this day, right? Shit um, like that. Shit, shit like Kiss of the Spider Woman on PBS at eleven o'clock at night with my dad. Shit precisely. Like that. Um, yeah. So the the original executive producers of the film left, like. <laughs> before filming had even started because they thought that the script and Kevin Costner and Kevin Reynolds not being able to agree on the direction of the film was going so far off the rails that they were like, we're done. We're out of here. And they went on to produce the cable guy, which has a fucking Waterworld reference in it. Absolutely fucking incredible. Jim Carrey is like beating the shit out of the main character in the rain, holding him underwater. And he's like screaming, Waterworld, Kevin Costner, great movie. And just like, like shoving him under the water repeatedly. Absolutely hilarious. But I think that that was just like such a kick in the dick because it had gotten so much bad publicity by the time the cable guy had come out. I don't know when that line was inserted, but like absolutely fucking fantastic. Cable is 96. So like it had already landed. It had already technically flopped because in the domestic market, it only made like 24 mil on its opening weekend. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, But but it actually ended up being a moderate success because between international box office, which it did considerably better in, and then like Mm -hmm. video and DVD sales, it ended up grossing like $263 million or something. That's right. Wow. So it it went from being publicized as like a horrendous flop to a moderate success. Um, So the script wasn't finished. Period. Um, <laughs> and f- no, you know, you know, no surprise. Fucking and no surprise. Five days before filming was slated to start, Kevin Costner hired no less than the script doctor for Speed, who happens to be Mr. Josh Whedon, him fucking self. 
Josh really? Whedon was Dude. the script doctor for Speed and Waterworld. And Waterworld. Um, we are we're seeing him like this year, this season, num- season number one of our podcast. We're seeing him a lot. He's coming through quite a lot. He's like uh, he's like the man yeah, in the he's, shadows. For he's a lot of the these movies. um, he's the oh my god, why is my brain doing this? You're gonna have to clip this. You're gonna have to cut this part. Hold on. <laughs> sure. Um, He's a punch-up guy for all oh, these yeah, things, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Like he is—he is the Carrie Fisher of of stupid action films. Like, <laughs> just, just put her in there and make yes, them better. Yes, literally. Oh my god. So Pretty Carrie much, Fisher yeah. became one of the most prolific script doctors in the history of Hollywood. Oh no shit. She is entirely responsible for the first. F- three Star Wars films not being fucking atrocious. She rewrote New Hope, Jedi, and Return. Like, she, and and she, like, that was, like, her career. That's why she was never in anything else besides the fact that she had crippling anxiety and a drug addiction problem. Like, she was a script doctor. And, like, she, yeah. yeah. So, basically, Joss Whedon is, like, the Carrie Fisher of the 90s. Essentially, even though Carrie Fisher was also script doctoring in the fucking 90s. Yeah. Um, right. So he was originally brought on for a week and ended up staying on set for seven weeks. Later quoted as having said that um, none of his suggestions were taken into account for the script. And the few lines that did get into the final edit were delivered with such um, such terrible acting that he can't yeah. watch the film what are what are some I of didn't, his gems i, what, I did didn't he, dig uh... super deep into what he actually updated but like apparently he's like i can't watch this fucking movie which i think is hilarious i mean it's there's like one or two scenes that actually do kind of slap and the acting is is tuned in yeah but there's a lot of like fucking stilted dialogue, just bad directing. I mean, stupid fucking lines. Yes. Shit, shitty premises. Well, so there was um and the there was a the film it's two different films, effectively. There's Kevin Costner's film and then there's Kevin Reynolds' film, and they're just smashed together. Kevin Costner wanted like this like really like sort of deep look like character building sort Mm -hmm. of thing. And he wanted the Mariner to be like depths and weight and all this shit. And Kevin Reynolds was like, let's make like a fucking, I mean this, this script was written to literally knock off Mad Max road warriors. Absolutely. Like like it was, it actually stated that this was a knockoff of Mad Max Road Warriors on the ocean. Yeah. Um, and so like that's what they wanted. They wanted an action film. And Kevin Costner was like too worried that it was like gonna be too much of an action film. So there were arguments away from like there were arguments about the cuts. There were arguments about like the theatrical release, all of the stuff. Um there's now at least four versions of the movie that exist. Oh, wow. Okay. The theatrical cut, the director's cut, something called a Ulysses cut, which was the, which was a f- fan cut that they had taken all of the deleted scenes they could find, recut them into the film and then released it on the internet, which then two months later, Universal released a two disc extended cut, which was nearly identical to the Ulysses cut. Oh, wow. 
yeah um two disc it's that long this is a long movie right it's a it's a long movie yeah, yeah. it was um it was the studio wanted it to come in at 215 2 hours 15 minutes and the first cut of the movie was 2 2 hours and 45 minutes dang um and yeah and so basically uh the editing was like such a fucking problem that Reynolds left during post. He oh, left okay. the production during post and uh, Reynolds is quoted to have said in an interview that Kevin Costner should only star in films that he directs. That's that way. He's only always working with his favorite actor and his favorite director, um, which kind of speaks to the, um, to the, the tension on the set. And then like the they couldn't film in the rain. They had to constantly right. stop shooting because of clouds, because of like ships well, in the background. So it filmed in Hawaii, is that correct? Uh-huh. Yep. I mean Hawaii is rainy as fuck. Like every day. Yeah. It's like it's like the Midwest. Yep. Um they sup- the special effects supervisor walked off the set amongst a number of other production people. Yeah. Um a stuntman was lost at sea because oh, he had for a whole day because he had to commute to the set, which was a thousand yards off of the coast via um, jet jet ski. He had to commute into the set via jet ski and he got lost at sea for an entire day. Um, oh, my God. Majorino. Uh, was called was nicknamed jellyfish food because she had been stung by so many jellyfish through the production of the film. Um, Costner's stunt double, who was a professional surfer, got the bends on one of the diving scenes and oh, almost bet. fucking died. I bet. Yeah. Um, he Kevin Costner got divorced halfway through the production. Hmm. Uh so like that temporarily smoothed things over between him and Kevin Reynolds. Kevin was like, Oh, I'm going to Reynolds was like, I'm going to give you a little bit of a pass because clearly you're going through some shit only to like leave during the editing process. Um, wow. Wow. Yeah. It's just, it was just, there was a part where Kevin Costner, there's a part where he's like lashed to the top of the, of the mast of the ship, um, like looking out. And uh, they had to film it so many times that in one first, sorry, they had to film it for so long that at one point they had been filming for so long that a squall came up, knocked the ship off course, the boat off course outside of the safety perimeter. And he was like being thrashed about adrift (laughs) on top of this fucking boat for over 45 minutes or something like Just absolutely batshit crazy. Um, Yeah, you know, that's that's just the stuff that I have on the production alone. You know, Um, there's a lot more notes that I have on like the actual movie, but I felt like these were all so like absurd that it has to be like you have to go into it knowing that all that shit is happening behind the scenes i wonder if there's a documentary i bet there is um there might be but there's also a bro on youtube who has literally an entire channel devoted to water world oh my god (laughs) that is 
actively being updated still. Like the last vi- the last video was like three months ago. Oh really? Okay, I gotta fucking check that out. Maelstrom, is- the Odyssey of Waterworlds. Ooh. A feature length making of documentary including extensive cast and crew interviews and behind the scenes footage. Well shit, I should have watched that, but uh, we can we, we can, can come uh, back. We can come back. We can watch it and then come back and have a little recap in a future episode. For for next episode, we'll spend some time talking about that. I love it. We are well prepared. Hey, it's only episode number five. We're dialing in the process. Indeed, we are. Um, yeah. <laughs> Is that fucking wild? <laughs> fuck, no, it's wild. I remember. Like so, yeah. It was like twelve, thirteen when this came out. Um, I remember just in you know entertainment tonight or whatever i remember them talking about how it was a massive failure and it was overly expensive and everyone was yeah, siskel, and, siskel and ebert gave them gave it like a 2.5 or something yeah um this movie kind of sucks but it's it's like the best sucky movie i've seen in a while like it's still kind of rules did you catch the jack black uh cameo in there okay it, yes, I have noticed that forever, but is it actually Jack Black? Did you check the credits? Mm, because I, I think I, after watching it again with the intention of seeing if it is Jack Black, I think it's actually just a dude that looks like him when he's wearing those crazy goggles. No, he's credited as smoker plane pilot. Okay, so it is him. Yeah, I've yeah. I've I've noticed the Jack Black <clears throat> cameo forever. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, it's like one of those weird cameos. I don't know how this works in in the film industry, but it's like you're kind of getting up there, but you don't have speaking roles yet. And they'll do Mm -hmm. like a weird like cameo. You're silent, but they're uh, focusing on you for like way too long. Mm -hmm. It's like one of those. (laughs) Thing. Yeah. He's like covered in grease and has those crazy goggles on. No, I don't. That's not Jack Black. What? Yeah, that, he, in the film, in the in no, the air, airplane. I don't think I don't think that's who Jack Black is. Uh, Jack the cast. Black. He plays oh, a pilot. No, not the guy in the boot with the gun. The guy oh, okay. in the in the there's a guy, the pilot of the plane. Uh huh. Plane pilot. That's Jack Black. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Um. And he has like this like moment on the screen where he's like looking all like insane i'm trying to find a picture of it it's one of his apparently it's one of his earliest roles oh yeah definitely which is so funny to me oh yeah there he is yeah he's wearing like a red captain's hat Mm -hmm. he looks he looks like jack black Oh, he's the one who like, oh, they shoot him with the spear gun when he's like flying around mm-hmm. and he's like trying to shoot the thing off, shoot the rope. Yeah. And he like there is a moment where he's like looking out of the plane wearing goggles, smoking a cigarette. Yeah. Yes. Definitely. But he's not the dude that's like shooting the gun on the boat. Right. He's the other. Yeah. Which that guy is fun. I think um, this movie's fun. I think the smokers are really fun. I don't like to admit this but i wish i was a smoker i think if i lived in that world i would probably go over to the smokers yeah i can see that um so i watched a really hilarious um anecdotal like 
short, short video essay that was attempting to analyze exactly how many cigarettes they would have needed (laughs) to be able to still be smoking the an average of a pack a day 500 years after the world ended. (laughs) Right. And like, basically the dude was like, I'm not going to go into like all the like absurd math that he did, but he was like, the nineties average was a a pack a day. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, that's fucking 365 times 20 cigarettes a year for one person. There's 500 people. And then there's 500 years. So he does all this math. He determines how many cubic feet this is. It's approximately the same cubic feet of the Empire State Building. Okay. <laughs> uh-huh. Then figures out how many cubic feet fit into those storage containers. And he's like, it is feasible. It is plausible that at some point the smokers could have been an armada of shipping ships. Like big shipping tankers with the Exxon Valdez (laughs) as like the lead ship. Right. And that over the years, these shipping tankers were not able to like, they like corroded and degraded over the course of the 500 year society. And we're just seeing the end of the society. Right. Like, He's like, so one of those tankers or maybe even several of those tankers could have been captured being overseas international shipments of cigarettes. Okay. And that would feasibly like you can fit thousands of those containers on one of those ships. If one ship was just full of cigarettes, they could feasibly have enough cigarettes for their society for 500 years. And I was like. The movie poses a lot of questions, a lot of more or less unanswerable questions. Yeah. Um, you know, I think at the time, I think I might've said to my uncle David, who was the person who took me to see Waterworld in theaters, where did the cigarettes come from? And yeah. I think the answer was probably seaweed, oh but, <laughs> but you know, no. well, there's those scenes where they like are zooming past, like the like smoke kills, like tar babies, like whatever the fucking name of the cigarettes are. Yeah cartons and boxes oh right you know they have boxes of smirnoff and bacardi too yeah it's just that's it's it's the sort of movie where some of the stuff is well thought and some of the stuff is so poorly lazily thought out yes yes it kind of drives me crazy um so for me, like, okay, I like, of course, think about a lot of things like in an anthropological sort of way. Right. We are viewing the end of humanity mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Like, this is it. Like, this is the end of humanity. They're xenophobic. They are like beginning to suffer the consequences of like reduced population size breeding. Right. They're beginning to suffer the consequences of random mutation you know there's like all these things there's an there's a cut a cutout scene that i found that is like a speech that dennis hopper gives about how the about how the creator their like god figure created man and created fish and never the two shall meet because he didn't there was no room for evolution in that um like basically saying like there's no way there could be 
a human fish mutant because humans can't evolve or whatever. Right. Right. Um, so like, cause that would explain the animosity that everyone has towards, um, the mariner. Cause he, yes, that's is, his name. Yeah. He is part fish or something. Right. He's, or has gills he's, at least. He's like a mutated or evolved human mm. of some kind. Um, you know, so like, there's some kind of toxicity uh, in the planet that is causing this. There's a mutated, that big, huge, crazy fish is like a mute, supposed to be a mutated shark mm-hmm. that they catch, yeah. you know? And it's just like, so if we're thinking about this, if we're thinking about, okay, something happened, I don't know, say global warming from capitalism run wild caused the polar ice caps to melt they didn't melt like overnight. The map at the beginning shows it as like a progression, yeah. right? Yeah. So let's say that took a hundred years. People started figuring out how to live on the water early. You know, pirating start probably started pretty quickly. So like this like band of pirates that evolved into this smokers community. <laughs> I like that you call it a community. It is. They're a society. Sure. It's, oh, they absolutely. Are, absolutely. You know, yeah. they're a society. They have rules. They have religious beliefs. They have um, leaders. They have, like, customs, all these things, right? But at the beginning, they were, you know, probably always, like, kind of, like, scumbags. You know, they're patr- the patron saint, St. Joe, I don't know if you caught this, Um is the ship captain of the Exxon Valdez that crashed in 1989 and caused right. the oil spill. Right. He is there. He is St. Joe. And it yeah. is rumored that he was drunk behind the wheel of the ship. And that was the thing that caused the tanker to run aground and cause the oil spill. Yeah. So like they have patronized this drunk fuck up. Right. Who fell asleep at his post as their like their like saint, right? So in the beginning, it was probably just a bunch of fucking scumbags who were like, fuck this, we're out of here. We don't want to follow whatever land rules you're put imposing on the sea. And we're gonna hijack a bunch of ships and we're gonna start our own fucking community. And they were so <laughs> successful at it. Centered around um, jet skis and cigarettes. Yes. That's gonna be our main thing. Yeah. And they were so successful at it that they were able to maintain their customs with resources until the end. I mean, it, it is <laughs> so many of these movies in the mid nineties, it is uh uh you know a commentary on late stage capitalism because it's like, you know, we got this far, but it can't last. And like right. this is why the world is ruined. Right. Because yeah, they're just like, all right, we're out of oil. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got to find dry land and like, and then you're just like, Hey, this isn't, even if you do find dry land, this is like not sustainable, you know? Yep. Yeah. Um, and there's actually in that deleted scene, there is a comment about, and so I don't know if it made it into any of the various cuts, but there is a comment that he makes about how, do you remember how there used to be atolls on every horizon? Oh, interesting. Yeah. And so there was a larger human population Mm -hmm. than we see in the film. 
And the response is, well, we did sink quite a few of them. Yeah. Why? Right. Why? Why? (laughs) Why? You know, the fight for resources, the Mm. fight for supremacy, all of this stuff. The smokers are particularly xenophobic. You know, they don't even want like they don't even want the people from the atoll who are attempting to have something close to a land living experience. Like, you know, they're built, they're like finding seedlings and, and nurturing them into trees by feeding them the like organic sludge from their body recycling program. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's right. Um, I was they they referred to slavers a couple times and I was like, oh, interesting. They so do. there's like there's like three types of people. There's like semi chill atoll people who are yep. still kind of xenophobic and, and a little yep. inbred. Yes. Um, and then there's the smokers. But then there also I want to know who the slavers are. I want to see like what kind of uh, community they have. Right. Are they like offshoots of smokers? Like did they did they like break off? Yeah. Do they have like a compound somewhere that like, you know, I think it's probably for the best that they didn't really like go into that too much, like characterized that too much, because I don't think it could have been done. No, very uh, thoughtfully in 1995. I couldn't help but wish that like, you know, there could be some fucking Hulu or HBO Max uh, fucking series. Like, I yeah. just can't, you know, it's impossible. I don't think you can do this shit, even how we could do it today. I don't, I think it's too hard to do water shit. It's just too crazy. Yeah. But. It would be really cool to see. It's fucking like, fun. A 200, like a middling time period. Like not when we are right now, which is realizing that the polar ice caps are definitely going to melt. Yeah. And not the 500 years in the future when it's just like fucking Mad Max on the water. Right. But like that middling time when they're realizing that the last of the land is disappearing mm-hmm. and that the only thing left, the only thing that's going to be left is the tip of Mount Everest and right. that they need to protect it. And that someone draws the map or someone like, edits the map to have no more land masses on it. You know, like I want to see how they got to that point. You know what I mean? Like I want to see the, the beginning of the lore of dry land. Right. Like, right. I want to see fucking, uh, what is her name? What is the little girl's name in the film? I can never remember it. Enola. Enola. I want to see like Enola's ancestors starting the tradition of the tattoo of the map of dry land. You know what I mean? Like starting the baby tattooing tradition. Yes. Like I want to know how (laughs) we got there. So yeah, absolutely. I'm on board with this. No, I love it. Cause, cause I think you and I agree that this movie is fun and it rocks and it's just a probably cause we both have the words married to the sea tattooed on our chests. Um, Indeed. I think that, yeah, I think you and I both want to probably live in a world where it's just the ocean. Yeah, um, I could do it. And like little like fucking lime, lime plants here and there, uh, smoking cigarettes, like doing uh jet ski ballet shit. 
for sure. <laughs> Hella jumps on our jet skis, but yeah. Oh my I, God, so many. I, yeah, I would love if they could expand this world because yeah, and similarly, I do want to know more about the Mariner and I want to know more about the Mariner's people mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I would like to see the Mariner fuck, if I'm honest, because... I mean, he Mar- does fuck in the movie, but we just don't see it. Does he? Yeah, they, he fucks. What's her face? He Helen. Uh, oh, they, do, they, they get down waters, on the boat. They have. Oh, do, oh, they do eventually. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I've, yeah. I uh, I was running out of time, so I fast forward through that. But that's fair. I wanted to. Um, yeah. yeah no. I, I mean, I forgot about that part, but my I wanted to pause it. Like, does the Mariner have a penis? Is it webbed? Because he always looks a little sad when they're like, yo, do you want to fuck my daughter? And he's always like, oh, a little bit I shouldn't, but also a little bit maybe I can't. Well, if it's anything like the fucking like the boys and he might have fucking chest gills, (laughs) that might be why he doesn't want to fuck a regular person is Uh, so that they don't see that he has gills in other places. Exactly. You know? Exactly. That fucking show is absolutely insane. I will not Do watch you enjoy it this. I like time. that. Yeah, I like that show. That's a good one. I mean, it's it's bonkers. Trevin loves it. I it's a little too much <clears throat> for me. It's like a little too sociopathic for my tastes. It's a it's a bit ridiculous. Um, also, yeah. I just can't square the fact that they live in the Flatiron Building. Fuck off. There's no amount of like secret government like money that will get you a loft in the flat iron building like i don't care who you are i don't care who you work for even if you did have that much money you wouldn't do that anyways you could get more bang for your buck like anywhere you know yep yep and parking Um, is a nightmare where do you park your car there's no parking garages anywhere around there oh god like i used to work like 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 a block from there yeah i know the worst um uh that guy, just a quick tangent, that guy who yeah. plays the, the big bad in that movie is also yeah. in a show called Banshee. Have you ever seen the show Banshee, which is a no. Cinemax movie? No. <laughs> this is worth a watch. It's uh, It starts out like this guy getting out of jail. We don't know why. Then he steals a hot rod and he's like, he's like driving around and then he like stops off at a diner and then he fucks the waitress and then he's like just going around doing crazy shit, trying to track down his ex-girlfriend who, I don't know. He goes to a small town where his ex-girlfriend lives and there's a new sheriff in town and they're both at the same bar, but no one's met the new sheriff yet. And because of like gang violence, the new sheriff gets killed right in front of him. And so he pretends to be the new sheriff of this city called this town called Banshee, which has got to be like in Pennsylvania or somewhere. And so he's just like a bank robber who's pretending to be the sheriff of a small town in Pennsylvania where his ex-girlfriend lives. This fucking quote synopsis from IMDb on Google. Banshee is an unapologetic action-packed show with Game of Thrones level nudity and violence and is definitely not for the faint hearted. Yeah. 8.4 out of 10. Uh, Yeah. I would say that would be my score too. Worth a watch. Amazing. Amazing. Um, So the... The plot of this film is really so stupid, (laughs) really just (laughs) the world is covered in water, but there might be dry land somewhere. Yeah. A bunch of people are trying to find it. The like period like like that that is the plot of the movie. Everyone's really thirsty. Yep. Um, They drink too much salt water, which is why somehow everyone's chubby. Makes no sense. But 
Uh, yeah. I love the 90s male body that's that's in this movie. Yeah. Because um, I do like, you know, I find it hard that like if you if you're if you show some flesh as a, a man, I mean, I'm complaining about how they portray male bodies in film. That's a little ridiculous. But um, like, you know, like everyone has to be ripped all the time or skinny and uh, right. they didn't care. They're like, you know whatever we're just gonna have like whatever your body looks like it's fine doesn't even though we're all starving and no one has any water yeah yeah i mean like that is like that is really kind of the crux of the patriarchy right the patriarchy hurts <laughs> us all um that's you know right. that's right it, it 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 forces like men and and people who identify as men to conform to like just as unrealistic sets of standards as it like it pushes women and people who identify as women into, you know, like, Absolutely. and, and anytime someone diverges from that, that norm, that ex- expectation, they're considered deviant or wrong or like fucked up or ugly or fat or whatever. Right. Right. You know, um, it's just like, it, it's, it's just, I've always said this, you know, the reason why we need to overthrow the patriarchy isn't because I hate men. It's because of the fucking damage that has done to all of us. Absolutely. Like it, it it's, it's just the fucking worst, you know? And yeah. the patriarchy is very present in this fucking film too. Like the Mariner is like a violent antisocial character in the beginning who is absolutely willing to sacrifice the life of a child to make his own life easier. Right. You know, like it's, it's like all of the societies are patrilineal societies. All of the, all of the mentality is very much like about consumption, about imperialism. It's about, ownership you know it's all those layers it's like water world is a not so veiled uh allegory for late stage capitalism and a patriarchy like that is what it is you know absolutely um and the thing that i think is so funny about this film is that it literally is just a series of like absurd actions and mistakes that they right. have to recover from right constantly yeah and like and they have to yeah it's because it wasn't written well enough to have like a feasible plot right or any feasible conflicts right they have to inject these totally stilted unrealistic conflicts between the mariner and helen which make right. no sense at all and they also have to make helen and enola total dimwits who don't know how to exist in water worlds, which is crazy, which is ridiculous. Right. Yeah. It's just absolutely absurd. And like, there's, you know, one of the things that I think is so just ridiculous is like the, the interaction between the Mariner and the drifter in the very beginning where he steals the limes and like, you know, there's like this thing about like, oh, you have to be careful who you trust. You have to. It's, it's the worst of humanity, this film. Like mm-hmm. there's no it's like it is suggesting that without without laws, <clears throat> without government, this is what humans devolve into or these. You know what I mean? And it's like it's 
it's just more like weird, scary, like propaganda bullshit, right? Like you don't distrust everyone you meet right. immediately, right. right? Yeah. You're never, no one, whether they were raised in, <laughs> whether they were raised on a boat or an atoll or whatever, no one would be so fucking stupid as to shoot a harpoon connected <laughs> to a boat to a, a plane. plane at Jack Black at Jack Black that the without knowing that a harpoon is very often connected to the harpoon gun yeah there's literally no one who was raised in this world who wouldn't know that right it's like the stupidest conflict I think, yeah, I think that's one of the things that's so hard about this movie is that, like, I, I don't think the filmmakers really respected our intelligence as viewers. And yet, through, like, some analysis that other people did on the Internet, they thought enough to make the underwater city be Denver, Colorado. Oh, was it Denver? That's that's what the Internet has kind of deduced from, mm. like, certain buildings and certain, like, geographical features or whatever. Which means that Denver being a city that lives between like 5,500 and 6,000 feet above sea level now. <laughs> Mile high city. Got it. Uh-huh. Right. So yeah. it wouldn't have been so far for him to deep to dive. Got it. <laughs> you know, he's yeah. not having. So they had the forethought to think, OK, so if if all of the ice caps melted, it would raise the sea level by 7,500 feet, whatever. The only landmass that's tall enough in the world to stick out of that would be Mount Everest. You know, the this island in Hawaii is approximately tall enough to be the amount of land that would be sticking out of a sea level this high. But if he's going to be able to dive to get dirt, he has to dive to somewhere that's high enough. So maybe he can't dive anywhere in the Himalayas because then he would know where dry land is. Mm, so what's mm -hmm. the next tallest place? Denver, Colorado, right? So they're thinking through these things. Yeah. And then they're just fucking making stupid ass other decisions. It, it's, I mean, it just, it comes down to people. Yeah. Doing really good table setting structurally. Right. right? Yeah. It's that sci-fi thing that I talk about a lot where it's like you can create like cool, you can do cool world building. Yeah. Um, but then maybe you've never spoken to another human being in your life um, mm -hmm. or maybe you have, but you're not sure how it actually works. Right. And yeah, like just the conflicts between fucking Kevin Costner and Gene Triplehorn are just like, it doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't exist. Um, and yeah, I think I agree with you. Like, I think it, it would be more like, or less like The Walking Dead, where people are like, nah, I can kind of trust you a little bit. Like, right. And also we have an ecosystem and we have like economics. Right. And there's got to be, yeah. Okay, well, so here's my thought. I had sort of like a multi-layer thought about this, which is that if you lived in Waterworld for like, yeah, four or 500 years, you would create, you know, um, economics and industry and agriculture to some extent, obviously, if there's still people, right? Right. But I guess right. maybe <laughs> what this movie does speak to is like how fragile culture is and how fragile our societies truly are. And in a way, it sort of goes back to like the genocide of indigenous people in the Americas and how quickly 
it can be that like some force can just come and destroy, you know, millennia old culture and tech, not like frankly, like super sophisticated technology. Right. Um, because like just within a matter of generations, like it was, it's so easy to see how you could lose language and techniques for survival and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's definitely like there that that is like a really, you know, before I continue this thought, I would say that you and I, as like fairly educated, fairly cultured individuals are able to assign far much more meaning and depth to these fucking shitty 90s films than was ever given to them by the people who wrote them, right? Like, we can see how this shit is playing out because we're smart people. And perhaps the original writers of the script were also smart people. But whatever was actually put on film, all of the nuances that we are able to sort of give it in its grace have been lost. And right. so like, I don't want anyone listening to this or any of these episodes to think that we actually see these narratives and these undertones actually coming through in these films. We're, we, they don't with the exception <laughs> of bridges of Madison County, like yeah. most, all of these films that we have seen so far miss the marks that they're aiming for. Oh, absolutely. If, so, if, if they're even aiming for marks in the first to place, begin with, yeah, But that doesn't change the fact that with the right set of questions, does it bring up questions? Does it bring up things that are relevant? And I think that that's true for Waterworld, you know, like, especially right now, like we are living in the beginning of this world. Yeah, we're we're in in pre-Waterworld for sure. Like we are on track to our future descendants possibly living in a world covered in water. I don't necessarily think that we're going to see the polar ice caps melt over the course of a 100 year period of time, but who fucking knows, you know, like capitalism wants to destroy the world because it's a fucking fanatical death cult. And they're all just trying to figure out how to like build these bunkers and convince their fucking paramilitary forces to not turn on them when the fucking world collapses. That's actually a true statement. There is an article about it. Yikes. Yeah, it's fucked up. Um, but like, so it's easy to kind of see like it's it, or to extrapolate like what would happen if our society today were forced to fairly rapidly in the history of humankind adapt to a world that doesn't exist like living with a set of skills that are no longer relevant because there's no longer land like humans became societies tribes became societies because of agriculture like if agriculture doesn't exist because there's no dirt that what happens to society right and I, I, I think like, you know, the the thing that is <laughs> the thing that's like kind of the hardest for me to wrap my head around is everything that transpired to get us to the point in this film. Mm-hmm. Because right. if, effectively, you know, the 
the world is huge and round and people are potentially strewn all over. But if the water were to rise in the way that science is suggesting it could, would not the Himalayas be like sort of like the last sort of place that humans would have likely lived and would not there then be atolls very close to dry land yeah yeah it it, it wouldn't i mean i guess what i was saying is that (laughs) we would have like a compounded and evolved culture surrounding how to live in water world right um by the way, there's not enough water. I don't think there's enough water uh, for Waterworld, just like in existence. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, I, I think if it was a perfect sphere, the water would form like a two point, 2.6 to 2.7 kilometer, um, you know, water waterness around the world covering of the earth. It was just like no high spots or low spots if it was just that. So you would be able to see to the bottom pretty much more or less. So yeah. Um, so basically, like when the polar ice caps melt, like the really just the stuff that's at or below sea level is going to be fucked. Just where lots, yeah, most of the poor people live is is going to be underwater. But um, what was it? Yeah. yeah. So I believe that. Yeah, like I was talking about how fragile culture and history and language can be in technology. Yeah. But like I, I do believe that you know even after a few hundred years, that's like we would have like it would be built into your mores and just the narrative of your culture and even if you don't have writing obviously these people don't have paper anymore but just your yeah like your uh what's it called when you just relay history uh with your words your oral history that's what i'm looking for thank you yeah Yeah, you would have an oral history of land and and it also it would be like yeah there's and people would also go there because people are like boating around sailing all over the world and like yep. it would be like that's no, still here right and also like hot take in 500 years the constellations will not have changed that much okay like right. like <clears throat> the the where the stars are positioned now compared to where the stars were positioned in like ancient rome it's nearly the same yeah we're still navigating the same way we were 500 years ago correct yeah right and it's like there's no light pollution so we would be seeing the the night sky back to the way it was in the 1800s like pre-industrial revolution the night sky was fucking bonkers oh yeah like insane there's there's one night scene in this movie and i'm like is that stars or is this just the shittiest like blue screen i've ever seen in my life right like that's like and you know and like 500 years is an illogical amount of time for human society to have collapsed this significantly into like back into like a nomadic hunter-gatherer sort of like less using the word civilized is really loaded because like that's a very like colonialist terminology that's been used to like other 
people for centuries, but like a less organized uh, grouping than the one we currently have. It took 12,000 years for humans to go from being hunter gatherers to being who we are today. And they're saying that it would take 500 years for society just to completely degrade into like this disorganized, un uneducated, uncommunicative, xenophobic. Well, the xenophobic thing, that's like not that that's not that much of a stretch. That, that's always going to be there. unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. But like, do you know what I mean? It's well, just like. I, I do know what you mean. I mean, I, I think a lot about, have we talked about Cabeza de Vaca? I always talk about Cabeza de Vaca. I don't Remember? think we've talked about it in the pod yet. So, uh, how, what's his full name? Albert, Alberto Nunez de Cabeza de uh, Vaca is, he was this fucking Spanish, he was with the conquistadors, but I don't know, he was like an accountant or something. Okay. He, like, wasn't that crazy? Cabeza de Vaca is like a an old like Spanish colonial like military term that I think his mother bought for him, but I don't think he was even really much of a soldier. He uh, crash landed in Florida with like some fucking Spanish galleons, and this yeah. fool walked from Florida to Mexico, and he was the first one of the first Europeans to travel by foot across the American South. Yeah. Um, and and he brought one of the first Africans with him sort of as like a low key slave. I forget his name. Right. Great. Of course I remember the European and I don't remember the African's name. Uh, but, and they just fucking walked and they just, and he was sort of like one of the first anthropologists. Cause he like took notes. Yeah. And when you read his account, it's just like, fuck, these people are savage. Like they don't have anything. And like they're all kind of naked and they like eat fruit. And then when that's done, they move on to something else. And maybe they're eating like cicadas over here. And they're just like super poor and their culture is like very diminished. And you're, you're like, oh, interesting. Like you, you wouldn't expect that to be the case. But then if you think about it, their population had already been decimated like yes. a generation or so before. Yeah. And like, so I guess that's kind of what I was circling back to what I was saying is like, culture and civilization and technology and language is so fragile mm. in a certain sense. So it's not entirely surprising that I could get to this, but I do think it'd be funny um, if they're like, they get to dry land and then it's just like, there's already people there and they're like, Oh, you made it. All right. And there's like boats like docked all around dry land. And everyone's <laughs> just like, uh, yeah, you fucking backwoods fucking rednecks just could never figure it out for some reason, but we're glad you're here. Um, yeah. We've got a sick techno-socialist environment. Um, <laughs> totally. Like, they're just, you, like, so you, stupid that they just, like, yeah. hung out over, like, the North American continental shelf yeah. instead of, like, just fucking traversing the world. I think that there's something that we should, like, sort of just, like, address is, like, you use the word savage and I use the word, like, I, I was reluctant to use the word, like, civilized. Right, And right. I think that... Like it's important to like take into account like that those that that terminology and that association is very much rooted in like European attempts at like justifying mm -hmm. the colonization mm -hmm. of worlds that had resources, right? And so like you know, we we see this like I think some of the first 
recorded instances of this type of language being used were in like Belgian accounts of the people of the Congo. Right. And, uh, and, and I think like, you know, these terms have proliferated into like into science, right? Like they have, but they were very much rooted in, in imperialism, colonialism, Orientalism, like othering anything that could be done to justify the exploitation of resources and people. Um, and so it's like, it's not so much, I think that, you know, these, that the, the people that he encountered were like regressing Mm -hmm. as much as it was that they were attempting to recover from the theft of their resources. Right. Exactly. You know? And I think that, that, that could potentially be a plausible argument for the state of the world of Waterworld if the smokers are like the imperialists of the of the world and the uh, the the atoll people represent like the like indigenous community and what happens to community when it is constantly being sacked and pillaged right right absolutely yeah and so i definitely think like you know there is there is some thought there i just generally would like to believe i think i have i i think i need for my own like you know psychology to prevent me from devolving into existential dread um i have to have this belief that at least some core of people like what you were saying, like would get together and build a better society. Even if there were people who were out doing what they're doing. Uh, I, cause like, otherwise I start going down a, what's the point sort of um, <laughs> fucking Spir- spiral. spiral. Yeah. And it is not like, yeah. that is a dark place in my mind. Yeah. Um, Th- thank you for that note on our usage by the way, because uh, yeah. I use I, I yeah, I say words like savage, like quite glibly. And it's because I've read, I don't know, because I study anthropology in college and read like 1491. And so, right. you know what it is? It's that old term. It's like hipster racism. It's like, oh, I assume when I use this word that I, I assume that you and our listeners like know what I mean, where what yes. I'm using savage in like quotes, but I'm not, right. you know, I'm not saying that loud. But thank you for that note. And thank you for the reminder to like, you know. <laughs> tune up the language a little bit well i think it's i think it is valuable to like think about you know the vernacular of this Mm -hmm. these studies Mm -hmm. right because Mm -hmm. that isn't there's a there's a fucking wild documentary on hbo i'm pretty sure called exterminate the brutes um and it is all about the transatlantic slave trade and it is about the role that uh western european countries played in the uh, subjugation of the continent of Africa. And it is fucking dark as it rightfully should be because it is a very, very dark stain on humanity as far as I'm concerned. And the, I, but I, uh, it's graphic also again, because that should not be shied away from because we should be talking about these things. 
Uh, but I like I literally couldn't keep watching it because it was so difficult. That doesn't mean that it shouldn't be watched and I shouldn't watch it. But that's like that is a reality for me. And and you know, in my own recent studies, like um, UIC has done a lot of work with the art history department um, to decenter and decolonialize the conversation in art history. Yeah. Um, and one of those one of those is acknowledging that like Western European art is not the center of art. It is not where art came from. Right. You know, yeah. um, and like I wrote a paper about um, the European pastoral painting tradition, which is this this thing that started in like the middle 1600s when Europeans began going across the Atlantic and exploring new worlds. And one of their sort of one of the ways that they a advertised that there was this new world to explore and B um, pacified the population was by painting these idyllic pastoral paintings in the classical tradition uh, that really created this idea that the new world was this vast, untouched, unoccupied landscape that was ready to be brought into the European way of life, right? And, you know, that was absolutely a tool that was used to say, hey, guys, don't worry about it. This is this land is fresh, free and ready to go. Like right. you want gold, we've got you. You want oil, we've got you. You want lumber for your fancy ass fucking furniture, you want mangoes. You know, like the realization that some of my favorite paintings which are like the 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 Dutch still life tradition of painting, I there there's to me still masterfully done but the realization that they were billboards for colonialism because none of that shit could have been painted by a bunch of motherfuckers in amsterdam if it hadn't been for the transatlantic slave trade i like i was knocked off my like seat like those two things had never correlated to me and to to get to this conversation from water world <laughs> you know speaks to how we think about things absolutely right? yeah that that water world is having us discuss the the vernacular that we use the like way that these things are discussed and I think that that's pretty, I think that that's pretty fucking cool. Like, sh- uh, shameless plug for our fucking pod, but like, where are you going to get that anywhere else? This is why this is one of the most impo- important podcasts out there, I would say, right it's now. Truly, truly so important. <laughs> um, Squarespace, hit us up. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> no and like i mean and this is this is why we're doing this project together is because uh you and i have always put our brains together like this and this is how we think and this is how we talk about shit that's why i treasure you as a co-host and i uh, treasure you as a friend <laughs> yeah oh yeah um, that too that's right uh so i mean that's that i feel like that's, that's water world, world guys <laughs> <laughs> like there it is like it's okay. 
it's Kevin Costner drinking his own pee. It's oh. ski lifts. It's ski lifts. Uh, ski uh, jet skis underwater. Just doing duck dives like a surfboard oh. underwater. Absolutely incredible. It, it doing is, like the most unbelievable stunts. It is a. It is a, an international multi-million dollar live action show at five universal properties. Oh, still? Still to, this, day. to yeah. this fucking day. They cannot, people cannot get enough of these fucking like war on the water productions of Waterworld. Oh, yeah. At Universal Studios. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, sometimes uh, you look at books like... Gosh, like, you know, sometimes it turns out, uh, for example, um, Planet of the Apes yep. or, or a better one, 2001 Space Odyssey. Yeah. Um, you know, that's an adaptation of a novel. Well, it turns out that like, I don't know, the novel was like going to press when they were already making a movie version of it. Um, and like, so sometimes some novels are like written with the express interest of becoming a, a film adaptation. I kind of think this is this movie feels like it was made to become just like. A spectacle. A, a spectacle, like a, uh, how do you call it? A, like, theatrical production and, uh, yeah. and a theme park attraction. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They're like, you know what this will be? This will be a cash cow for years to come. I mean, it's been where we, like, you know, close to 30 years now, and it's still going. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's fucking fun. The The action scenes are operatic. They fucking rule. There's lots of fire. All practical, too. That's the fucking crazy thing is, is like less, the vast yeah. majority of the film is practical effects. There's and like one stupid kite scene. One stupid yeah. kite is yep. <laughs> CGI. There's some CGI shit for sure. Like, you know, uh, giant mutant shark whales and shit. But right. And um, the, the underground, the underwater city thing is all CG. Yeah. Uh, which is like a weird, like weird choice because building scale buildings and filming them underwater would probably have been the easiest thing that they could have done <laughs> on the studio. Like, yeah. like I could build like a scale city at like the right size to like run a camera through water and film like, mm-hmm. you know, fucking if like Star Wars did it like what you're too fucking good to use the same techniques that Star Wars used like give me a break oh is that what they did in Phantom Menace oh god Phantom Menace Menace was completely 100% CGI CGI. but but uh the original three uh New Hope Jedi and Empire they all all of the all of the ships all of the like buildings everything that was all that was all filmed in scale like oh, the, right, 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 right. the Star Destroyers were all built and filmed as yeah. objects. Yeah. You know, um, uh, so it, I don't know. It's just like it's hilariously. I guess Spielberg was consulted about whether or not they should film on the ocean because he notoriously had difficulties with Jaws. He was like, you can do it, but I'll never fucking do it again. Like, like filming on the ocean is the worst. Like it is so fucking unpredictable and it is so hard. And the ocean is like, not at all. Like, I'm sorry. If the world were covered with water and the moon still existed, do you think they would just be cruising on this chill ass sea all the (laughs) time? No. The tides would be fucking bonkers. Like bonkers. 
Yeah, I mean, there would be storms ev- all the time, everywhere, constantly. The the swells would be like 30, 40, 50 feet. Like, yeah. where the fuck are these atolls even built, my dudes? Like, exactly. what are they anchored yeah. to? I mean, yeah, it's there again, compelling reason for a reboot, in my opinion. Indeed, indeed. Um, HBO <laughs> hit us up. Uh, <laughs> we'll be showrunners for the fucking new water world. I don't know. Oh my Do you God, have any could like you imagine? Errant, could errant? you fucking imagine? Oh, I would. <laughs> I would be deceased if we parlayed this stupid podcast into fucking production. rebooting Waterworld as a fucking HBO production. That'd be I mean, it's not sick. a. We have some good fucking ideas, to yeah. be honest. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, should we get to rating this fucker? Yeah. Pure dirt. Okay. I'm just. I'm just trying to look over my my Make notes. Make sure we didn't leave anything out. <laughs> Did you, did you catch those multiple fart noises? There's fart noises a couple times here and there. We're just like someone's doing something and they make like a oh, and fart it's like noise. A, it's like a... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Also, yes. the, the line that always stuck out to me, even from the first time I saw this in um, the theater, and it just seems so stilted because she says it twice. And I'm like, oh, they did some study and they're like, oh, people loved it when she said it. So we had to put it in there a second time. He'll come for me. He will. Oh my god. He'll come for me. He will. Yep. Um yeah. She I mean, says it, she says it twice and it's like, yo, it it hit the first time, but it yeah. uh, does un- undoes all that work the second time. She says yeah. it. Yeah. Uh yep. oh, we got to talk about the Kim Coates drifter scene. That that is the best scene, I would say. The second drifter. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's like the yes. only good scene in this whole movie, I would say. Like, and his his performance totally outshines anyone else in that scene. And he I mean, we already knew that Costner is a dud in this movie and yes. has no pulse. Absolutely. Um, and it, but it's always like it kind of works because he's kind of hot. Uh but he's just kind of weird but it's like once you get him in front of kim Coates, you're just like oh fuck like he, yeah, he is, has no this, personality this is what an actual actor is capable of doing yeah i don't yeah. know where Coates is otherwise in his career at this point i know i'm like also looking and i'm like oh is he fucking scottish actually because he's in you know he's in sons of manor he which he did oh. a really good job in no he's canadian be damned i never watched that um sons of anarchy never Uh, i didn't give a fuck it's also like it's worth a watch weirdly kind of gives but well it weirdly gives me like a lot of anxiety because like my mom was a person who was addicted to drugs and some of the primary drug dealers in san diego county were hell's angels and Uh, so like i have like a lot of weird anxiety around like fucked up motorcycle gangs completely um so that's also why i've never seen breaking bad sure like same shit not not really not really into interested you know who he reminds me of a little bit though is um is the fucking the guy in the hallway from uh fifth element the guy in the hallway yeah with the hat that like is has the gun and he's like oh yeah like that (laughs) yeah yeah, that moment um he is doing classic 90s drugged out sketchy person yes yes role yeah but it's i don't know 
it, it's it is part of this movie just being kind of fun there's just really fun shit in this movie and that's one of them because he's he is like eating the scenery and he's really taking over yeah and yeah. but you could feel like he's like oh fuck like i just want to get laid like i don't have any food i'll trade you this paper and he, you could feel his disappointment when it's not going to work out right um yeah also but also his first suggestion is like having sell, sex with Enola. Sell me the so, child, yeah. Yeah, so like <laughs> that's, that's, that's like horrible. really that's gross horrible. and fucked up. Yeah. Um, that's compelling though and that's realistic, yeah. you know? Like, yeah. it, I think that's an anchor. That that scene kind of anchors this movie as much, pardon the pun. And I think... As much well, as this <laughs> movie is anchorless and set adrift frequently. Um, that's well, a good one. And I think that that is the that it, that scene exemplifies the movie that Kevin Costner wanted to make. Probably, he yeah. wanted to have a movie that was serious and had character development and really spoke to the world. And Kevin Reynolds really wanted to speak to the water. I think, like, mm. you know, yeah. So I mean, also though, can we just like talk about like, could they have not come up with any more of a compelling? title than water world <laughs> yeah like no. was there nothing else that that movie could have been called no they didn't give a fuck they were busy setting up the explosion explosions they were busy shopping for grappling hooks they were busy painting the ski the jet skis like truly they were busy rebuilding the five million dollar set after it was fucking demolished by, by, a hurricane. by a hurricane yeah all right fair enough I like how Kevin Costner gets shot at some point uh-huh. and then it's just like, eh, all better. He gets Nothing. shot. Then he does like a, I don't know, a hundred foot free dive with Gene Triplehorn. And he's just like grabbing dirt off the ground. Also, when they do that, that had dive, to have been a 2000 foot free dive. That's <laughs> Which, what I was getting at. Like yeah. the water for them to be in Denver town, the city of Denver. Yeah. And if the water had been 75, 000, like 7,500 feet deep, that would have been a 2,000 foot feet free dive. And she's just going down there in like a makeshift, like fucking glass no, diving it, bell. No, it's like a diving bell made out of a shower curtain is what it is. It's just like so it's plastic. It's so janky. It's the janky it's thing. It's just yeah. how on what on what planet is 2,000 feet, the pressure of 2,000 feet below water not going to murder a human being? Yeah, without compressed air, it's impossible. And and very specific gas ratios added to like, that compressed air, it's not possible. Come on, guys. Yeah. Fucking uh, we, figure it out. We also can't, <laughs> can't, we can't not mention that the saving coup de gras in this movie is a bungee jump. An improvised bungee jump. Yeah. Rope doesn't behave like that. No. No. That shot, that shot of the three jet skis coming together with the explosion, with him holding onto her and like floating in the air, (laughs) that's not what would happen. No. Like, There's no amount of air pressure that would have kept that balloon just chilling there also, by the way. Yeah. 
that balloon with the force of him being pulled down at the velocity of him jumping, that balloon wouldn't have had enough like fucking resistance to even like prevent him from going into the water. Yeah. Also, it's ostensibly like a hot air balloon, correct? So yes. you, where's your, where's the fire? Yeah. And who just sets a child on the edge of a hot air balloon basket? <laughs> oh yeah. So he shoots at the, he shoots at them and it like ping, like, and then she just falls off. And then the she thing just and like, falls backwards <laughs> off of a fucking hot air balloon basket into okay. the water. And like, that would have killed her. Also. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like the fucking Mythbusters did a whole, just did an entire fucking episode about, how far can a person fall onto water without it killing them? Well, what is it? Can, like, like 30 feet or something? It's like, it's, yes. it can't be that much. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's not very far. Just no. falling flat. Like, of course you can dive and like, that's a thing like mm. that changes it. And like, if you jump in like full, like full point, like that changes it. Like yeah. we know people, you probably have jumped off the end of the pier, you know, like I never jumped off the pier. I really wish I had, but oh. I I do, never did because I'm too I'm too scared. I'm, I'm scared. also I'm I'm afraid of fights. It's okay. Yeah. I'm a scared. I'm afraid of the falling and like the panic that would set in in the in between, and that I would like not breathe enough, and then Just like fuck it up somehow. Yeah, swallow uh, a bunch of water and die. Um, <laughs> but like, so like, there's so many like, like that's the that's the coup de grace. That's the plot point. That's how you wanted to end this fucking film. Like, that's the sticking. Fucking get fucked. I cannot. <laughs> I mean, bungee jumping was so big back then. That's oh kind of like God. the heyday of bungee jumping. And, you know, because <laughs> we're on the topic, obviously bungee jumping has its indigenous roots. Yeah. So it, in a sense, it is more like just uh, throwing a, a straight up rope on there. But so he, uh, she falls over, he ties a rope to his foot and he's like, tie it off. And then he jumps and then they'd spend like 30 seconds. Like, wait, what? Oh, Hey, tie it off. No, tie it off. And like, she ties it to the thing to like some random, like cleat inside the, uh, the boat, yeah. air boat, balloon boat that they're on. Yeah. And then, uh, and I had forgotten, I watched this movie twice this year on a Delta flight. I think like, <laughs> I watched it going there and then I watched it coming back again. Um, but I had forgotten the bungee jump and I got so excited the like t- 10 Ugh. seconds before, like when he goes down to tie it to the rope to his foot, I was like, Oh, the bungee jump part. I got really excited. Yeah, Just, I mean, it's just absolutely absurd. And, and then like somehow they're able, okay. I somehow they're able to <laughs> circumnavigate the globe Yep. to find the land and somehow in that moment gregor has been able to like understand the tattoo yeah he just looks at it backwards and he's like oh north is north south is south is literally what he says yes no north is south and south is north oh yeah so he looks at it upside it's down reverse yeah I mean, just come on, guys. Okay, and, and so explain this premise. There are two elderly people, two people who are dying on an island, which is the top top of Mount Everest. Yes, ostensibly. Uh huh. Um, oh, it is in in the in the in the TV cut. There's a plaque that they uncover that says you're standing on the top of Mount Everest. Oh fuck! Is it really? Okay. Yeah. 
Yes. Which I had never seen that version before. And yeah. so when I was doing my research, I was like, the fucking top of Mount Everest. And then I found the scene that has the plaque in it. See, that's so stupid because when I was 13, I was like, this must be the top of Mount Everest, right? And right. someone was like, I guess so. My dad was like, sure, I guess so. Yes, and it it's is. so stupid that like an adult got paid so much money to think that up yep. and put that in there. Okay, yes. So the premise is that two people have a child that they baby Moses out into the water world. Ooh, not before they do a uh, stick and poke, like a really good stick and poke tattoo. Well, it would be, I'm assuming it would have been in the tradition of like, mm. like Maori tattoo, which sh- is still yeah. done effectively stick and poke. And those are fucking beautiful, like yeah. absolutely fucking fantastic. So, uh, no, but you see the tattooing implement, covered in dust next to the skeletons at the end of the, the film there. All right, let's see. Let's get a let's <laughs> You're gonna look uh, at the, the tattoo gun from Waterworld? Is that what you're Googling right uh, now? Tattoo gun. While Beth is looking this up, if anyone wants to do some further research on uh the fucked up way that Belgium opened up the country of Africa for genocide and rape and slavery, you can look at King Leopold's ghost which is a really great nonfiction book that talks about that subject. Yeah, that's it's, Belgium's the fucking worst. <sighs> they are okay. the worst. They are the worst. They even like, the, oh, no, France also uh, colonized Mexico at one point. Like France was the, Mexico Portugal was part of the. To- yeah, but was like, really fucked up. but King Leopold, it's like his French cousin was the empire of Mexico for a short bit. So like, yeah, they're all fuckers. They, them, Escondido, they can all fuck off. Truly. Okay. So I've got a picture of the music. Okay. I've got a picture of the music, <laughs> the box, music box, which is a song yeah. that she would hum all the time. Uh-huh. Cause she remembers also, stuff like, she's a baby. Also, like, though, if she could hum the if she was old enough to remember the fucking song, like you would think that she would remember that, like, she'd been to dry land and that it wasn't all subliminal. Like, that's right. You know, I'm just okay. Where the fuck? Final scene. Waterworld. I like that. Oh, you know what? I have it up on Amazon. I could just pull it up. I'm too scared to do Google image search for Waterworld tattoo because I'm going to find like adults with Waterworld tattoos. Oh, 100%. I'm too scared. I just can't. Yeah, take a screenshot or look at it and and tell me what it looks like. Because like. Oh, wait. Here we go. Hold on. Back too far. Fresh water. Here we go. Okay. Also just found something interesting. Um, I found something. Yeah, the big reveal didn't make the final cut is that on this spot in 1953, Hillary and Norgay first set foot on the summit of Mount Everest. That plaque didn't make it into the final cut that was theatrically released. <laughs> Which is like, because it's maybe dumb. Kind of like. <laughs> like like an important bit you know you think you so you think that would be important yeah you you know i would have liked 
it, 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 you know what it kind of feels like, though? It kind of feels like the fucking Planet of the Apes. It was Earth the whole time. Yeah, that's, you know? yeah, that's what I'm saying. Okay, I'm going to text it to you. I, I'm sorry. Okay. I didn't do a snip. I just couldn't. That's fine. I sent a picture. I took a picture of my screen like I'm like a fucking old man. <laughs> I'm also going to send you a picture of our new dog that we're getting tomorrow. <gasps> that's so exciting. Her name is Birdie. Her name is Birdie, and she's been named that for like nine years, so we're not going to change it. Although, of course, we will. Yeah, of course. Organically change Spider it. Spider 2. You're just going to have a fucking Simpsons no. moment? No. Yeah, okay. This, okay, yes. This is very much like the That's tool like a, that is used in Maori tattooing. It's like a Pacific Islander sort of tattooing yeah. implement. Yeah, maybe. yeah. Got it. Um, but yeah, it's just, I don't know. The, again, potholes <laughs> abound. Just plot holes. Just dumb shit. But it's fucking fun. It's a fun movie. And if if Kevin Costner had gotten his way and had fucking... Oh, that's a cute-ass dog. Um, I love her little fucking tooth. Yeah, she's a pug chihuahua. Pug chihuahua mix. Oh, my God. What a dummy. Look at that little snaggle tooth. I know. She is truly a dummy. Yeah, she's just a little little chihuahua. She's like nine years old, but she can like... um, as opposed to spider, she can like walk around and like she likes to play with toys. Oh, so she has like a considerable amount of life left in her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's the frosted face for sure. She's up there. Yeah, but, but she's not like a, a fucking she's not geriatric. <laughs> no, like we're asking we're asking really like embarrassing questions. We're like, cool. How does she do a sta- like stairs? Can she go upstairs? And they're like, yeah, she can do s- stairs. <laughs> I was like, does she like to cuddle or eat food or anything like that? <laughs> like live? Yeah, I was like, does she be alive? Bark? Dogs bark, right? That's what dogs do. Yeah. <laughs> oh goodness right. gracious! So, yeah, I mean, there's like endless amounts of things to say about fucking the rest of this movie, but I like the costume design. Costume design was great. I thought the set deck was was fun. Yeah, it, the the costume design's great. I mean, I will say, I'm not gonna lie. It's like a a teensy bit implausible that like Helen had this banging ass outfit. You mean um, the you mean the fucking bustier she was wearing the whole time? Yes, yeah. Because mm-hmm. like fish, fish leather bustier that she had. Like, let's be real, leather on water that tight would be such a bummer. Yeah. Like, I absolutely. bet it sucked so fucking bad to wear that fucking costume out on the goddamn ocean. The oh, level yeah. of chafing. Just. Yeah. Not fun. No. And, like, <laughs> the straps on the side. I mean, okay, so I'm looking at a picture, like a, like a picture from, like, filming. And in this picture, it doesn't look like leather. It looks like waxed canvas. Like it's like old sail material, which is definitely a lot more plausible. Yeah. Um, and, you know, <clears throat> there's not a lot of sewing that's been done except for like, you know, what plausibly could have been seams from like old sail pieces, I guess, possibly. But I think it's fish leather gotta be you think so it looks like fish leather it does yeah all right all right also can we just talk about dennis hopper's cod piece <laughs> thank you <laughs> i was i i saw it in my notes and i was like well like it's this is kind of this recording is dragging on a bit uh, maybe next time we can talk about that but um 
yeah, epic cod piece. I mean, I mean, in that scene his, when you see it, it's front and center, which is fantastic. Yeah. yeah, and he just has like this like belt made out of like like a fucking. I mean, that's a pretty nice touch to have like the belt be made out of um like a like a docking like belt like a what are they fucking called? I can't think of the word right now, but. Yeah, like there are nice touches, like costuming, fucking super solid. There's also this really nice touch that Dennis Hopper has like this like panel that is all full of like old war medals. Yeah. And so I'm like wondering, like from their society, did they like honor that? And like, did they keep that or did they see pictures of kings and like that was what indicated the the like status of a person was how many medals they wore. I just like, you know, I think it's pretty, pretty good. Kevin Costner's pants are fucking outrageous. I love the pants. I've always loved the pants. Just ridiculous. Um, uh, yeah. And going back to the Kim Coates scene, he's, did you catch that? He's wearing a jacket made of like six pack rings. I like, of uh, like the plastic rings. Yeah, that yeah, hold yeah. Six the packs. the the rings that we were the very successful ad campaign that got <laughs> all of us '90s children to cut those rings up so that a um, a turtle didn't have a ring around its head. Yeah, or seagull or whatever. I still do that shit. I I also do. Where the fuck is Captain Planet right now, man? Like, well, how the fuck? Like, ugh, I can't. Was that a Captain um, Planet thing? I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure that like the reuse, reduce, recycle. And like the cutting the ring, all of that stuff was like part of like that same like eco eco intelligence like campaign in the nineties. Like it was all just to try to get kids to not fucking ruin the world. And we little did we know that it was actually our parents' generation our parents, that had already yeah. done it. That's right. There's no such thing as personal responsibility in late stage capitalism. <laughs> Uh, hot take. Right. Let's rate this movie and get the fuck okay. out of here. <laughs> All right. Uh, enjoyability. It's uh, that's a that's going to be a four seventy five for me. Okay. It's a fucking fun, enjoyable ass movie. I agree. I've seen it like thirteen times, working. so it has to be enjoyable. <laughs> no, I agree. For me, Listen like five. I know. Oh, oh my god! I, we have been recording too long, and I cannot think any longer. Okay, uh, enjoyability. Yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say 450 because there's just some like plot story bullshit that I just can't get over. Unfortunately, yeah, that's fair. Uh, veracity? No, no. I think we lampooned. <laughs> I think we just absolutely lampooned the veracity through our entire conversation. Yeah. I'm, gonna I'm gonna give it like 72. Yeah, like a 46. <laughs> 46 for you. Okay. Yeah. Immersiveness. Immersiveness. It's very it's a oh, very yeah. immersive movie. I very rarely tune out when I'm watching it. At this point though, I've probably seen it so many times that it does definitely like become background noise. Um, I, I think the only thing in my notes that says like drags on too long is just the conflict bullshit between Mariner yeah. and Helen. But it's it is very immersive. You feel salty, you feel sunburnt. It yeah. feels hot. Um, yeah. The like we've... sound of the squelching from the organic reclamation pit <laughs> is like so disgusting. And like, 
I can like smell it. So I'm going to give it I'm going to give it like a, a, a 278 slightly For, better than half. OK. Yeah. For merciless. I'm going to go like uh, in the, I'm going to go 350, actually. All right. Uh, would I watch again? I mean, it is a, it's one of those ones of streaming on purpose. Like when I'm bored and I'm by myself and I don't know what to put on and I see Waterworld pop up, I'm like, yep, there it is. Yeah. Streaming I don't, on purpose. I don't care about going to see this in revival theater. It's not going to be any different for me than watching it at home. I don't want to hear Kevin Costner talk about anything. <laughs> um, would it be really fun to see it get roasted by like Tina Majorino and like Joss Whedon? Probably like that would be a fucking fun like moment. But I mean, if somebody was just like Waterworld at the music box, I'd be like, yeah, probably not. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Well, I've seen it three times this year, so probably wouldn't do that. But um this like one of these nights when i come home with like two pounds of taco bell i'm gonna say drunk by myself at midnight and you have watched it on a flight twice this year so it's because like i started it towards the end of you know when you start a movie at the end of your flight and you're like oh no yeah you have to do it again yeah so that's water world that's water world um you know, in and you know, thank you again for listening. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, please remember rate, review, subscribe. Eventually, we'll maybe even read some of those uh, reviews because we'll think they're funny when you're talking shit about us. Um, and in case you need to be reminded, in the immortal words of Jim Carrey, I don't know what all the fuss was about. I saw the movie six times, and it rules. Absolutely <laughs> amazing. <laughs> that's a really fucking funny line that line it's re- <laughs> the slaps. clip is fucking hilarious i completely forgot about that clip in in um in fucking the cable guy when he's just like absolutely losing his fucking mind they're on the satellite at that point that's where yeah, they it's are. like filling with water and he's like fucking bashing his head into the back of the satellite yeah cable guy such a much better movie than Waterworld. I mean, whoever thought we'd say that out loud. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to go get ready for a graduation. Cool, dude. Uh, what are you going to do with the rest of your You're day? a good friend for going to a graduation, I would say. I know. But like my best friend, Cody, she just finished her master's with distinction. And mm. I feel like, you know, Got none to. of her family is going to go and her partner would have to be there by themselves. And so me and Trevin are going to for like the support obviously um and i intend i absolutely intend on forcing her to come to my graduation mm-hmm. trevin just asked me the other day he was like do either of us like really have to walk for our undergraduate degrees and i was like motherfucker i'm you walking should. you should i am walking yeah. i've never graduated from anything in my life yeah i'm fucking doing this like yeah. i'm gonna yeah, have yeah. been in fucking school for five years i'm fucking walking yeah like i'm getting sure. a cap and a tassel and all that bullshit I'll be there. Hell yeah.